Welcome to the podcast, Let the Prophet Speak. Today we are going to study the Navi Zechariah, the Prophet Zechariah, chapter 5, Perek Hay. For those that remember, we are still reading of Zechariah's uh, dreams uh, in which he last we last learned of the image that he saw of the menorah the seven branched menorah which represented the 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 lights of the menorah represented as the malach told him the eyes of god with which god looked out upon the entire world um with the two olive trees which resembled which which represented the two leaders of the Jewish people, Zerubbabel and Yehoshua ben Yehotzadak, the Kohen Gadol, and the potential king, the potential Moshiach. Uh, and we learned that the human effort that they put into building the Beis Hamikdash and to rebuilding the people was the effort with, through human effort, God's presence is felt in this world. But Va'ashuv, Thus, this we're going to begin now reading Perek Hay, Pasuk Aleph, the first Pasuk, Va'ashuv, and then I continued, Va'asoenai, and I raised my eyes, Va'ere, and I saw another vision. This is another very unusual vision. and I saw a flying scroll. Now, there are many interpretations of this. In this particular case, I'm going to choose to use for the purpose of this podcast the interpretation of the Malbim. And you'll see why I choose this. I think that his interpretation bears closest to the meaning of the text. Um, although, of course, that doesn't mean that the other commentaries don't have interesting and very worthwhile and beautiful explanations. But I'm going to choose to use the explanation of the Malbim with a few small adjustments. By Yomer Eli, and he, he said to me, presumably this is the same Malachadover B, the angel who explains to Zechariah in his dreams what it is that he's seeing. So he said to me, what do you see? And I said, I see a flying scroll. And the measurements of this scroll, it's a very, very large scroll. It is 20 amos long, 20 cubits long. And its width is 10 cubits wide. The Malbim points out, and other commentaries point out, that those are exactly the same dimensions as the doors of the Heichal, the doors of the holy uh, part of the temple. So and the temple was divided into the, the courtyard and then there was the Heichal, the holy part, where the, that's the room in which the menorah was and the golden uh, in, altar for incense and the shulchan, the table for the showbread, was all in the holy. And the door was 20 by 10. Now this is not coincidental. This is very meaningful and we'll see why in just a moment as we read through the next verses. So Vayomer Eli, the Malach, the <coughs> excuse me, the angel who explains to Zechariah the meaning of his dreams, said to me, "What is this Megillah Afa? What is this flying scroll?" Zot Allah, this flying scroll represents the curse, Hayotzeis al which is going out over the face of the entire world. So this scroll has in it 
something that is relevant, kol ha'aretz, meaning the entire world, not just the people here, residing here, not just the Jewish people building the temple, but the entire world. And what is it that it is going out to declare around the entire world? What is written in the scroll? What messages are written for the entire world? The following, kichol ha'gonev mizeh, because across the entire world there are people that steal from each other. Kamoha nika, and they, similar, um, uh, um, people that have engaged in similar activities of stealing from each other, nika. This is, reminds us of the language of nake lo yinake, which we find in the Torah means God sometimes gives patience. He waits to punish. He doesn't punish right away. He gives us time. He gives us time to repent, time to turn around until it gets to a point where punishment is unfortunately the only option. So nika means that this scroll has written in it all of the people in the world who have been stealing from each other but until now have not yet been punished. And also all of those people that have taken false oaths against each other. This is closely related to stealing because in monetary matters we have to take oaths in front of the court. We have to swear in front of the court that we were being honest, that we didn't steal. But so many people used that oath, used it falsely and thus cheated their friends also kamoha, when people do similar acts like that, nika, they have also, I've been patient this long, I've been waiting. But it's all been written in this scroll, and this scroll is now going to go across the entire earth. Hotse siya, I'm taking out that scroll, this is verse 4, says God, the Lord God of hosts. This scroll in which all of these acts are recorded are now going to enter into the homes of those people who have stolen and thought they were going to get away with it. And those people who swore by my name falsely and thus defrauded their friends. It's going to reside in those houses. It's going to get into them. And it's going to destroy the house from within. Falsehood, stealing, swearing falsely destroys one from within. And it's going to destroy the wood and the stones with which that home is built. The Malbim points out so beautifully that Shlomo HaMelech, King Solomon, when he built the first temple, when he did that, he said, and this is going back, um, he, he said to, to us that, that et asher yechto ish this is in Kings 1, chapter 8, verse 31, that Shlomo HaMelech said that those who sin, when one man sins to another, v'nosa bo Allah, in other words, when steals from each other, and then they swear falsely, that false oath will come to the altar in front of God, to the altar of God, before your altar, in this house. So when he was building the first Beit HaMikdash, the first temple, he said that all the false oaths will be recorded here. And now we are reading, now that we are rebuilding the second temple, Zechariah sees that scroll upon which they have all been recorded is now flying around the world, is now going to bring retribution to all of those people who have, who have, who have sworn falsely and stolen from each other. And that uh, the, the Malbim also brings from the Alka Chimoni, who mentions 
that sometimes um, things that are not even destroyed by water or fire, destructive forces, false oaths can destroy them. That's what we see here. When people are dishonest with each other, things get destroyed from within. The corruption destroys the society from within itself. That it's the that place where these false oaths are recorded starts to reside and ensconce itself in the homes, the dishonesty, until they get destroyed from within. Then vayet say hamalacha doverbi, and then the the malach, the angel who was speaking to me, went out. Presumably, he went out from the the heichal, from the 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 holy part of the Beit Hamikdash, which which um, Zechariah had been seeing these visions come from. But it's not clear exactly where he was coming out from. But I'm going to imagine this is where it was. Vayomer Eli, and he said to me, Son I want you to raise your eyes. Look, look, because something else is about to fly out. You just saw the flying scroll. Re'eh, I want you to see There's something else coming out. I want you to look and see what it is. But Omar Mahi, and I said, What is that? What am I looking at? It's a strange vision. Vayomer Zos This is the Eifa coming out. Now, an Eifa is sometimes translated as a tub or a box, but it's specifically an ephah we're familiar with as the measurement of grain. It was a way to measure grain. And we know from the Torah that the ephah, um, we are warned that your ephah must be accurate. Your ephah must be honest. When doing business and selling, buying and selling, one must be honest. The reason why this box is being called a box is not being called just a box, but it's rather being called an ephah is because it's a reference to the eifa being the measurement that you have to make sure is accurate. Vayomer, and then that angel said to me, Zot enam This eifa, this box, this measurement, is the enam, is the eyes. Remember those eyes we just talked about? We just talked about in the last chapter, we're referring to the eyes of God himself that looks and sees and sees everything. Those same eyes that were engraved in the stones of the of the temple, as we learned two chapters ago here in the Zechariah, well, this box, the box that can, that denotes what is supposed to be honesty, but unfortunately, too many people are dishonest about their afa, dishonest about their measurements. But the eyes that looks for honesty around the entire world, that's represented by this box. However. This is not the end, <clears throat> but then behind this box, I saw something else, says Zechariah. Kikar oferes, and he says, there was a, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> a disc or a, a lid of, made of lead, which was floating in the air. A disc of lead floating in the air. Lead is very heavy. Seeing it float is an unusual sight. Vizos. And then I saw Isha Achas. There was a woman. There was one woman. Yosheves Basocha who was sitting inside that box. So now he's seeing another vision. In this box, there's a woman sitting there. Now, Chazal, the rabbis teach us in the Talmud in Masechet Yoma, they teach us that this woman represents the sin of idol worship, the desire for idol worship, which the Chazal teach us that at this time in history, the desire for idol worship was banished from the people. Now, 
Let me go back. If you recall, when we studied the first chapter, I told you what the Evan Ezra said. I mentioned that the Evan Ezra told us that if only we had a history book, we might be able to understand, that describes us the times of Zechariah, we might be able to understand a little bit more about what Zechariah's visions mean. Back in the first chapter, I, I used history to explain the vision of the horses. Now I'm going to mention something from history. We know at the end of the first temple period, throughout the first temple period, from archaeological evidence, we know of the sin of Avodah Zarah, the sin of idol worship that was unfortunately so ingrained among the people and so widespread among the people that lived in Judah. From archaeological excavations, we know that this, this, um, the idols that they worshipped, there was an idol called Ishtar or Astarta, and also the idol of the Asherah, which many might be familiar with. And these were female images. These were images that were very graphically female. And these figurines were found throughout Judah in archaeological digs. And it was well known that this was the representation of the idol worship that the people were worshiping in Judah. It is thus fitting and makes a lot of sense that when Zechariah wants to represent the sin of idol worship, he represents it. It appears to him as the image of a woman. By Yomer, and he says, this is verse 8, and he, the angel, tells me, Zos harishah. this is the Risha, this is the evil. This is the only time in Tanakh where Risha is used as a noun. The ultimate evil is represented by this woman, which is the image of idol worship, but vayashlecho sa'atocha eifa, he threw her into the box. And he put the lead lid on top of the box. Because we know that in the second temple period, and this has archaeologically been demonstrated to be true, that no longer was the sin of Avodah Zarah of idol worship an issue. We know in all of the books, we learned studies so far Chagai, we studied Zechariah, we're going to study together Malachi, and we're going to study Ezra and Nehemiah. They criticized the people for many, many sins, but they never criticized the people for idol worship because the sin of idol worship that represented by that female idol that the people of Judah used to worship was in the box with a lead cover on the box. And then I raised my eyes, and I saw, this is verse 9, what happened to that box? Where did it go? And behold, I saw there were two more women that came out. The ruach bekanfeim, and these women had wind, had the spirit under their wings, lifting them up into the air. These are fem female angels with wings. Ruach, and there's various interpretations among the commentaries, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna assert that ruach, until now, has always been in Zechariah, been the ruach of God, the spirit of God, was lifting their wings. These women represented. Holiness. I know there are other interpretations that interpret it otherwise. This is how I'm reading it. I understand that, you know, the other commentaries have different approaches. Their wings were broad and wide like the wings of a chasida, which is generally translated as a stork. These women flew and carried that box away. I know that one is um, tempted to associate women the image of a, a, feminine, a feminine image with sin. But here, Zechariah the prophet is reminding us that yes, 
that image was an image of sin, the image of the idol, which is now in the box, but it can also represent the image of holiness when there's ruach bekanfeyam. The feminine image can be either or. It depends on whether there's ruach bekanfeyam or not. If the spirit of God is with them, then it's the holiest of the holy images. And what are these women doing? They carried this ephah, they flew with it, between the land and the heaven, they flew with it across the sky. Omar, and I said, and then I turned to the angel that speaks to me, where are they bringing that box? Where are they putting that risha? Where are they putting that evil wickedness? Where are they putting it? And he said to me, they're going to build her a house. It's not going to be gone completely. They're going to make a place for her, in the faraway land of Shinar. Shinar is not 100% clear where it is, but it generally means a faraway country somewhere else out there. It'll still be around. There may be still some idol worship going on, but it's going to be far, far away from the center, from the temple, from the Jewish people. And they will place it there, it there, all the way out there in the land of Shinar, in the box, covered by a lead lid, and it's going to be there in its fixed place, and the place where it's just going to settle, and we won't have to worry about her anymore. <coughs> These are mysterious visions, visions, um, uh, uh, very um, uh, spiritual visions, uh, visions, however, which we know from his history. We know that at this time in history, the, the sin of idol worship became a sin of the past. <coughs> there was, um, <coughs> of course, many other issues that the people had to contend with. The, the, like we mentioned, the dishonesty, the, um, the getting along with each other, the uh, fighting with each other, and and so on. Many many other sins that the uh, that the that we're going to study in Zechariah that they criticized the people for, but idol worship was not an issue because that was put in the box and taken away. Exactly why historically this occurred, there are many different theories and ideas which I'm not going to go into now. Um, I do believe that part of it might have to do with the fact that the might of the Persian Empire was backed at the time by the Zoroastrian religion. I'm not an expert in the Zoroastrian religion, but to the extent that I've read about what it, <coughs> it is, it was actually a step much closer towards monotheism. So the, 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 um, the reigning empire of the world was no longer, the power of the world was no longer a polytheistic um, uh, a kingdom. It was a monotheistic kingdom, uh, 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 and so the, the 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 one of the main temptations that led the people towards idols. This is just my theory. You can you can take it for for what it's worth. But but the one of as we studied through the prophets, we saw that the people turned towards idols, the idols of the surrounding countries, because they thought that they were stronger. They thought that they had power. But now maybe the people were starting to learn as they saw the power of the Zoroastrian kingdom, which was a step towards monotheism, and then eventually that was replaced by Greek philosophy, which was, uh, at least from a philosophical standpoint, 
was also stepping towards monotheism. The ideas of, of pagan worship were starting to fall by the wayside. There was nothing tempting about them. There was nothing powerful about them. The various tribes that still practiced the pagan practices were not powerful, were not strong. There was no reason to go after them. And this is what Chazal, this is what the rabbis were observing, and this is what we see reflected in the writings that we are studying together, the writings of the prophets. Thank you so much for studying Zechariah chapter 5 together with me. Looking forward to studying chapter 6 and of course the entire beautiful book of Zechariah together.